Tell me where am I supposed to go? Frankly, Frankly I, I don't give a damn. Oh gosh, guess who wrote that song though? Hello, R. Kelly. Obviously. I clicked on the video and then I was just like, I saw someone talking and I was like, oh, Pete's sake, this man was on everything. Yeah. But see, I this that's that was my favorite thing of like that genre of pop when you were out there having very public beefs but like personal one-to-one beefs like you didn't have an email address to send it to each other <laughs> like like what's it called frankie and um amen amen what i said I don't care. That's the energy I need. Do you know what my abiding memory of that is? Going to Guadeloupe, which is French Caribbean, and them not bleeping out any of the swear words. Because it was in English. With my parents, it was just parents. I went with parents, like my very Christian parents. And it was just F this, F that, F this. It was so awkward. I was just standing there awkwardly in McDonald's. And obviously in Guadeloupe, it don't mean nothing to them. It's like, whatever. They were just like, whatever. I was just standing there acting like I had no idea what the song And it's like, of all the songs, it's so, I think it was a song that has the most F words. It's like, it's like the, isn't it the record for the most F words in it? It's mad. Yeah. Talking I mean, of F words, has anyone watched Malcolm and Marie? I have, yeah. What, yeah, what is, what is that show? What's it about? That. Is that the one with Zendaya and something from Washington? Yeah, John, John David Washington. <laughs> Denzel Washington's whole son. That is Denzel Washington's whole that's son. Denzel, that's Denzel Washington's son. Like I didn't that. even know. Son, son, <laughs> I didn't even know. Unbelievable. Something, something. Something, something, Washington, he said. <laughs> that's it. Something, something. Okay. Can we now do the... Can I do the five, four, three for that? Why yeah. am I doing that? We don't do that. Five, four, three, three. two, one. My boo's good and baby is driving me crazy. My obsession for a western. I danced all day. Romeo, Romeo. Sorry, did you just say I danced all day? Is that Dirk? Is it? No. My dance hall Dave. My what? What? Or dance floor, Dave. It's basically they're all descriptions of the guy. It's her boot scooting baby is driving her crazy. Her oh, obsession from a western. Her dance floor, Dave. Her rodeo, Romeo. Oh. All descriptions wow. of a dude. Wow. Anyway, cowboy guy from head to toe. Gonna make him mad. Gonna step in line. Five, six, seven, eight. That's it. Basically, the story's all about how she's going to, um, like, a barn dance. She's seen a guy. She's going to impress him with her moves. I was today years old and I realised that. Yeah. You're welcome. Is that Was that Steps? I was going to say Liberty. Uh, yes, yes, but I, I don't know if it was originally them. Yeah, it was. Anyway, can we start now? Yeah, we can. I was trying not to we do... We already started. Okay, can we start properly? Yeah. Okay, everybody... Welcome to Tales from the Plantation, Volume 37. Volume 37, we're here. Happy New Year. Thank you. Happy New Year. Um, (laughs) 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 For those who know Clubhouse, you know what that is. Um, Yeah, thank you guys for tuning in. As always, you can find us on Instagram at Tales from the Plantation, um, Twitter at Plantation Tales, Facebook, Tales from the Plantation, and we're across Apple Podcasts, Spotify, you know, everywhere you can just get good podcasts. We're, we're there. Um, it is your host, Harry Tubman. Again, leading you all to freedom in this new year. We also have next to me. Um, 
the um the, um, okay, I'm going go to go uh, to, to the next person. Oh, so, no, I was um, thinking of like a thing to say about myself. Yeah, exactly. So while you're doing that, we'll go to the next person. Okay. To be honest, it's the constantly ready, always prepared, oh adjectivally God. adequate. <laughs> I'm sure adjectivally is not even a word. It, I, I beg to differ, madam. Uh, same, same realm as conversate. It's not a word. Do you know what? I've actually, you know what? I've, 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 I actually would petition to get conversate to be a word. Like, we as black people use it so much that I feel like conversate should be a word. It's basically, it's, at this, it's a word. We use it enough that it's a word, in my opinion. Conversate? That's yeah. a black American word. It's not a word that I use. I've what? never said conversate. You never said conversate? Mm-mm. Well, I, I, anyway, like I was saying, um, I'm, going, I'm even going to double down on it and change it to adjectively. Uh, Exceptional. Okay. At the end of the day, it's your boy TFTP underscore Tunde. Uh, on Instagram and Twitter. Yeah. Come chat to me. I think adjectively might be a word, actually. Of course it is, because man knows his words. You get me? <laughs> okay. And finally, we also have the incomparable, 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 you know. Can we get a dictionary check on that? Literally. Incomparable, Nizzy. You can find me on all social media platforms. Actually, no. You can find me on Twitter at N-E-Z-E-T-T-A. Um, you can find me on other places, but I don't think you should look. So just go to my Twitter. Why not just... You could have ended all that and just said, go to my Twitter and find me on Twitter. Stop there. deleting my speech. <sighs> anyway, so... um, <laughs> Yes, we have been away for a little bit. Um, we were on Clubhouse. We had a, did a joint room with um, the amazing Black No Filter. Shout out to <laughs> the gang, to Fabs, Angela, gang. Linden. Um, yeah, man, it was it was a great room talking about working while black. Um, we'll hopefully do another one soon. But you know, this is Tales from the Plantation. So um, since we've been away, there's a few things that's gone on. So actually, we want to discuss. We're recording on this Sunday. Um, and the first thing I want to get to is the situation between with Candice, Braithwaite, um, Rochelle Humes, and now <laughs> Leon Pinnock and Andre Gray, that whole thing. Um, if you guys don't know about that situation, basically, um, so Candice Braithwaite is uh, an author um, and she's basically been an activist for sort of um, black women and sort of the disparities that they face in terms of um, health. So in terms of spe- specifically things like pregnancy um, and how black women are more likely to die um, from, you know, during pregnancy, basically. So um, she's been a really strong sort of activist about that. Um, and so she was pitching, I think she pitched the documentary. Is that right? She pitched um, um, a documentary and she'd be doing a lot of background. She's obviously, she's an expert in this area. She's been doing, talking a lot about it, but she'd done background research. Um, and it so happened that it was anu- was it announced today that Rochelle Humes would be coming out with a documentary um, about that very same topic. Um, so I'm going to try and pull up the Instagram where she actually spoke about it so I can read it verbatim. Verbatim. Wow. And now my internet doesn't want to. If you don't have it, I got it. Oh, you got it? Yeah. Which one are you going to... Are you going to read... So, that, so the first, uh, I'll read the first one, and you can you read the second one? 
Yeah, sure. So, I, so the first one says, well, that got interesting. I appreciate the love and support. The truth is, up until six weeks ago, I thought I was going to present that documentary, referring to the one that Rochelle Humes is doing. I had been contacted in March of 2020. It had been on, an ongoing discussion for the last nine months of the year. I'm not sure what happened, but it's not meant to be. Although it will be always be something I'm passionate about, I've tried to s- I have to set my ego aside because it's not only I who tried to highlight the disturbing data when it came to black women dying in childbirth. It's a group effort. It always has been. So as gutted as I was, the message remains the same. And it's such a serious issue that we should hold space no matter who is narrating the story. Why is this happening and what can we do to fix it? Hopefully documentaries, books, and most importantly, this is in caps, listening to black women in caps will help fix things. Love heart. Um, so yeah, Tunde. And then she followed up this afternoon uh, to say that the producer of the show that Rochelle Humes is to present has called me, that's being Candice, asking me to clarify that I was never in the running to present that particular documentary. So for the record, I was contacted in March 2020 by a different production company about developing a similar documentary and had been speaking with them throughout 2020, our last Zoom call being on December the 1st, 2020. I've been advised that the show with Rochelle was also being developed at the same time I was engaged in discussions and was obviously commissioned. The producer said that fortunately for him, his show was simply acquired first and these things happened in television. I was also told that I would never have been a front runner for this particular documentary as they prefer their subjects to be removed from the situation so that the element of discovery about an issue is genuine but that there would perhaps be room for another documentary of the same nature after this one has aired. They had asked me to contribute my expertise, but I declined as I don't want my trauma to be mined for a show where I have no control of the narrative. My agent had asked a few weeks ago if there was a possibility I could co-present alongside Rochelle and was told there was not. At the end of the day, I cannot overstate enough how important it is for this issue to be spoken about until we are able to save more black women. On a personal note, I've learned a lot and I'm thinking carefully about my future in TV on the whole. Thank you guys so much. Do you know what's funny? <laughs> this is actually worse than the original story, than the original story that everyone thought it was. In my opinion, it seems like they, so, okay. Let me not give my opinion first. Let me defer to the black women first. You go and then we'll chime in. I was just about to say, but you know. Um. And just like that, I'm muting her <laughs> mic because of the... the, 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 <laughs> the distress. No, go on. <laughs> I was waiting for you guys to stop your jibber-jabber. Um. Did she call reading jibber-jabber? No, do you know what she's actually just done? She's called us reading what another black woman said jibber-jabber. Wow. <laughs> That's wild. Wow. No, but honestly, right? So you guys, well, you guys already know my opinion on this, but um, I, I just feel like this is, this is a very repetitive. This is a, a repetitive story for me because this is a story that we've heard before, with a different variation. Like this is something that is a, um, a constant perpetual erasure of black women in, in mainstream and black media, um by the powers that be in favor of put, putting somebody who's mixed race um, as the face of black women. Specifically in this situation, I think the problem is one, one Rochelle Humes is mixed race and the maternal death rates for mixed race women are not the same as they are for black women. In fact, they're almost half. So hold, black can, women. We, can we pull up those? I think I have those stats. Keep talking, but I'll, I'll pull up the stats. Yeah, so they're, I think they're about, they're about half that of black women. Um, from the research and I and I do want to acknowledge that the category of black and mixed race is often a self-descriptive category on these 
when they're doing the research I'm, I'm, i mean I've, i'm sure it probably is so there might be a bit of overlap in some of these categories and also that the category of mixed race is a very broad one i think for this research i don't think they differentiated between like black and asian mixed race uh black caribbean and black and, and white black african and chinese or whatever so, so sorry, just it's, a, to it's a broad and go on yeah just to cut so it's black black is so maternal death rates in the uk 2014 to 2016 race of women dying during or up to six weeks after pregnancy um and this is it's black 40 per 100,000 pregnancies and then it jumps down to mixed race 16 per 100,000 um, and then Asian 15, white 8, Chinese 5. Yeah, so basically, like, I just don't understand. It, it, you've literally asked a completely different community to be the presenter on something that's got nothing, that's really got anything to do with her. So my chance of dying in childbirth is 40 out of 100,000 hers is 16. Why is she presenting a documentary about my maternal death rate? Like, on that on that very basic level, it makes no sense. Well, by that logic, so she should have just got Stacey Doody or something like that, or just yeah, yeah, like, does, like, does by that logic. Honestly, I mean, obviously, could have done it. her death, the death rate from mixed race women is higher than that of white women, and so I understand broadly getting and and for Asian women it is slightly higher as well. So I understand broadly getting a quote unquote woman of color, but if you're specifically looking at black women in particular, it it makes no sense just on the basic statistical research level to have a mixed race women fronting it when her maternal death rate is not even as high and then forget so forget that basic statistical level but then on the level of it's just very frustrating as a unambiguously black woman to constantly um have my image erased in public spaces because mixed race women are preferred by white media and by black media in place of me especially when it's something that's actually specifically concerning me um and i feel like this branches into the, w- the wider conversation about the one drop rule, which people don't seem to be willing to have. Um, and then also into colorism, which we already probably talked about ad nauseum on this podcast. But yeah, that's my basic opinion. So and I also, just I just feel like the focus should be on the fact that black women are dying in childbirth. This is the important point. And in a way, this is almost a sad distraction from the, a very important fact that black women are dying in childbirth. Okay. Yeah, I, w- I was going to say, though, just to... to because other people listening may not you know know what you're talking about in terms of black women being erased for mixed race women like in the media so could you give some examples of like how you feel that manifests like itself that of people like not not that the people are themselves are bad but just you know what i'm saying yeah so i also want to say this is not directed to any specific mixed race woman because i you know like i wouldn't want to do that and and it's not a commentary on whether rochelle humes herself is a nice person or a good person yeah, but yeah, it, is a, it is a commentary on the fact that mixed race women um are the are the preferable like type of black and i use black and in inverted commas because i think we need to differentiate between black and mixed race women in these spaces um and that they are at the moment being complicit in our in our erasure because mixed race women know that like mixed race women know the the, the place of privilege they occupy in the black community they're not unaware of it especially when it comes to the diabetes politics, they're aware of it. So at this point, I think we need to stop acting like people are just obliviously taking roles or taking jobs or taking whatever and are not aware of the privilege that they that they occupy and the fact that they are taking up space that they know that um, really, like is a space that's supposed to be created for black women, they're taking up that space knowing that they have a different experience of black women. Um, and we need to call people out and say, say stop being complicit in the erasure of black women um, if you are half black, you have one of your parents, either a black mom or a black dad, 
um and you're hurting you're gonna you're the people you're hurting are people who are in your family they're your friends like they should be people that you care about um so when i talk about in public space i'm talking about even something as simple as if we look at something like blackish um this was a show apparently about a black family but like pretty much most like in shows like blackish in uh, most of the kind of tv shows that we see on tv women of childbearing age are mostly biracial or mixed race um and the unambiguously black women are usually like older past childbearing age or not not in a role where they're supposed to be particularly attractive which is why someone like dark skinned aunt viv was so significant to people because she was actually a rarity like it was rare to actually have a black woman as a mom in a black tv show or a dark skinned black woman specifically in a black tv show um or it was always beco- it was becoming more rare and i feel like as time has gone on the 90s was like the golden years where things were actually like i would say a lot more well balanced but as time has gone on it's actually got worse um that more and more apart from this re- kind of recent black lives matter renaissance especially for someone like netflix we see that literally it's impossible to have any role in which a black woman occupies um where that 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 is played by a black woman or fronted by a black woman it is usually almost always a biracial woman but i'll stop there stop rambling but yeah okay thank you thank you for that tunde do you want to chime in anything she said or you know um yeah i just think it's it it's one of those it's one of those things where even even me where normally i'll try and make a joke at something before making a serious point this this is one that's just hard to make a joke out of because you can see how much it hurt hurt right and it's it's that continual thing the as i as i've looked back over the last what is it six seven seven months since uh george floyd died black lives matter gained all of that extra momentum in the uk i feel like i keep asking myself the question of how much we've actually moved the dial like how much of a difference has actually been made by all of this conversation what's what's changing um and especially when like you read you read what they said and you read their logic for why um <clears throat> for why uh, Candace wouldn't have been considered to host it 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 doesn't make sense to me because that it, it would be like having someone who didn't know anything about um biology and nature replay um doing a nature documentary instead of Attenborough. it would be what's it how many times have i seen i saw i was watching world's toughest prisons the other day right they started it off um with a guy who hadn't been to prison before and he was just like a good good chap and then the whole energy of the show changed when they replaced him with someone who had been to prison who understood what it was like being inside a uh, uh, maximum security prison was and, and and was able to bring a personal perspective to it like the actual depth to it because i hear i hear that sometimes sometimes having um and 
having that level of intrigue come out can work. Sometimes having someone who's just curious can work. But when the topic is actually about women dying, I don't feel like the message should, like the, the objective of the series shouldn't just be about portraying an intrigue or raising people's interest. There needs to be some tangible outcome that comes out of it to actually do something about this. And I don't know. I think for me, it feels, it feels heavy because it is, it is a scary topic, right? Um, when I, when I think about, the what when I think about what that means for me as someone who is married to a black woman, and if we have children, what that means in terms of the risk to her life, that's not it's it's not the type of thing that I really want people to just be jumping into it because it sounds interesting, or because you want people to tune in because Rochelle Humes has a radio show and was in. Um, the Saturdays and is married to someone from JLS. That's not why they need to know about this. It's not, it's not, that shouldn't be the selling point. The focus point needs to be the, the dangers and the huge risks that are still present, that are still happening. This isn't a history documentary. This is a present issue. And, and it needs to be more than just a, yeah, well, this, this host will look better and she can look at it from a perspective of genuine intrigue and an interest like it's like it's a it, it just it just stinks a little bit of um kind of an attraction at the zoo for them and i i, I hear that as well it feels a bit voyeuristic um, yeah i don't like come through with i don't like that so it's now. In my home girls so, come, through, come through the big words now, yeah, Nezzy. You had a whole... <laughs> I think it... It is. It's boy because that, that's what it is. It's, and, you know, they said that the, the statistics on, um, black, on like, diversity in television have got worse since the Black Lives Matter movement. Like, we're, we're at a point now in Britain where Andrew Neil has his new Fox News Network thing that he's starting we'll up. We're going to talk about that later. Yeah, all that stuff. It, so, honestly, I, I don't... Like, I just feel like white people, are just, they're just... It's performance and everything is performance. I don't believe anything they say. They're just full of performance. So, that whole Black Lives Matter movement, as I said at the time, was that this was going to be good for black people if it's going to raise our own self-awareness. But what it was going to do for white people, I didn't have much hope. And I think I've been proven that yeah they're, they're, at the time there were some opportunities that were open open for black people momentarily which i think was great if you could latch onto those opportunities um and some companies did things that were, were great but on the whole do i think that this is like significant moment in that white people have changed no um and then i think just just this whole thing as you it's just ooh, tunde that's okay tell me it was just smelly because um you, you, people yeah. know who it is <laughs> Yeah, people, yeah, people just point, yeah. yeah. The, people, it's just money because people are, are are literally like using our pain and our death as something, as a, like an intriguing thing. Production companies want to do something about it. They but they want to center us. They want to center a black woman when talking about our pain. They said they want something that someone that's far removed from the documentary. That is a load of nonsense. How many documentaries have you seen where the people presenting them are like extremely close to the topic? Yeah, loads. It, it adds. It adds. I, I think there just needs to be a bit of. 
a bit of extra thought here as to if if you're pitching this and you're thinking, how do we structure this? How do we get someone to host it? Who do we get? The question cannot just be purely from a, who are people going to want to tune in and see, right? And it needs to look into, right, who is the best person to speak on this? For it to not just, like... And the thing is, it could have been co-presented. Yeah. And why it couldn't have been. Like, if your argument was really that Rochelle Humes is the draw, okay, fine. It could have been co-presented. Um, there are also, like, are there no other black women, like, in the media space? Bear, bear in mind, bear in mind, we have known since the days of Lenny Henry that there is a limit on how many <laughs> black faces you can see on your TV screen at once. Very true. This, this is what it feels like. Confuse people; they will get confused. Uh, imagine if you'd had Lenny Henry and Stephen K. Amos on at the same time. How do you tell them just apart? Just a whole heap of confusion. It's hard. So yeah, I just think, I think the whole thing is smelly. I'm prepared for the black community to have better conversations about. Um, what it means to be black um, and who can take up space and who can't. I think the ship has sailed a little bit. I think some of us as black women are trying to kind of claw it back, but it's it sailed a little bit. But I do think, I think there's always a feeling when we have these conversations that we're saying that mixed race people have no part in the black experience. And that is not the case. There is, obviously they do. Like but I don't, you have a black yeah. parent. But I've never seen people saying that though. No, but I think that's what, that's 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 what um that's what's lobbied at us. Oh, you're trying to like erase mixed race people yeah, from the black experience. Like... You're trying to um trying to ostracize mixed race people. No, like I'm dying at a rate of forty uh, for a hundred thousand, and you're not. Like the fact that you centered your yourself in this and and your need to be seen in this again speaks to the fact that you you, you prioritize yourself. You don't care about black women. You care about your position of privilege that you occupy in this community that you you can't occupy in the white community because the white community have already told you that you're not part of this community and they're not going to let you occupy a position of privilege. So you come to the black community and demand this position of privilege, and then are annoyed when people say, "Hey, hold on, you can't you can't erase me from my own community. You can't erase me from my own narratives. Like that's not okay." And, and I, I think it's important though that we so. F- with with all things i try to come at it from a space of grace and i understand the human reaction to want that sense of belonging right if we're if we're going into maslow's hierarchy of needs that that feeling of um, acceptance of belonging is really high right and constantly being told you don't fit is difficult so i don't think what we're saying and and it's just just for clarity i'm not saying that you said it either nezzy but it's clarification right no one's saying that Rochelle Humes doesn't deserve to be successful. No one's saying that she doesn't deserve to get hosting gigs and jobs. But I think it's about recognizing beyond the individual, looking, take it a level above, right? To understand in this space, what is, what is the conversation, right? The same reason I would not um, advocate for a black man to host this conversation Right, it's it's about looking at who it's about, whose whose story are we telling, um, and 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 recognizing that that's that's where we need to be so careful, right? We 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 can't come in and say that in the name of I, I'm going to say in the name of diversity, in the name of perceived diversity, 
that we then simply take the existing structures and apply them to different situations. We're not changing the game if we're just doing the same thing and putting ourselves in those places. And, and yeah, like, best of luck. I, I want I want this I want this documentary to be successful because at the end of the day the message is still important and anything that raises awareness that can move the dial even by an inch forward for for this this topic in particular is very much welcome. I just don't want a case where it turns into nothing more than a over their problem which is what we are very good at in this country if we can make it seem like this isn't something that we need to be invested in because it feels so over there um, that's the argument for using michelle is that she makes it not so over there but no, i guess that's that's I also the problem with over there though it's, no, it's it wouldn't matter it wouldn't matter who did it they don't but that's the thing i don't that's care. that's why i don't buy i think it's just this I whole th- thing that white people do things in good faith i just Wow. That's the thing. I think the idea is that Rochelle is like a familiar face, familiar voice. People kind of like her. They'll be more sympathetic to it. I I kind of don't need white people's sympathy. I need robust policy. I need improvements in how my colleagues as medics are are trained and also the scientific methods that we use to do research, which are also grounded in racism. Like, I, I think the sympathy of white people is such a, a bad investment in terms of it's such an unreliable investment. Yeah it's proven itself to be unreliable um so uh, i i yeah i just i just don't think with any other community it would even be a discussion about whether we get to tell our own story i think there'd be a complete uproar if um if there was a particular community that had a very high maternal death rate and someone else from a community that was adjacent to that community but, but didn't have the same issue was used to front that wouldn't have I, it they just wouldn't it just be it's just ludicrous and I understand that it's not as simple because I think in terms of historically what we've seen as blackness, it's it's very, obviously everything to do with history and slavery and colonialism and the admixture from even from within the Caribbean, South American, African-American diaspora. And race is not a simple issue, but I think especially in a country where um, increasingly, I think we are coming to understand more about mixed race identity and we're understanding that actually it doesn't translate to the same outcomes it does to being black that we need to be careful that people are like every community needs to be careful that they are not using their privilege in a way that actually stifles other people's voices yeah i think i just think personally i just think the producer snitched on on him on him or her so whoever it was when they said ah um we're just trying to sort of get someone who's removed and it's like so why didn't you you go white like really you know that you pick someone mixed race because you thought they would translate better but they'd still in your mind be be black and so they can present this better than or in a more because do you know what i'm saying at the end of the day she is half black so she's not completely removed and she still suffered like her community like mixed race people still suffer more than the only people that suffer worse than them is black people so to say that they're completely removed is ridiculous. If anything, you'd have asked someone Chinese to do it because they, according to statistics, they suffer the lowest. So I think he even snitched on himself anyway. That I don't think he even made any sense. But I just think when it comes down to it, I, I alluded to a point that Nezi made before was just how 
I think that there's just been a steady sort of erasure of um, dark skinned, dark skinned black women for um, either maybe like like either light skinned or mixed race, mixed race, uh, mixed race women over the course of the last like 20, 30 years. Like I was used to seeing dark skinned black women on my screen, like Trisha and Trisha and their man, like, you know what I mean? Like Angelica Bell. Huh? Trisha's not dark skinned, but she's black. Yeah. She not? Oh yeah, I guess she wasn't. Um, Like June Sarpong or like Angelica Bell. um, Those kind like, who else? There's bare, there's bare people. There's someone else that's really sticking in my head that I can't think, I can't get the name. I think it also begins with J. Is it Jody something? Jamelia? No. I don't know what it is. Oh, wow. Anyway, no. She, but she wasn't really a present. Anyway, but let's just say, yeah. I mean, just in general, there was, even if you're just thinking about it generally, and I, I actually think probably just because of the rise of mixed race people in general, as it's happened, you just started to see less and less black people on our screens that's just what's happened like if you look at who's the heads of different things or who's doing different things and it's not to say these are bad people but it's just what's happening like Afu Hirsch and them and they're the ones speaking up and up front that's just how it is like that's just what's what's happening um and I think it's just something that it seems like the Black Lives Matter movement has I don't know I'm not saying it is but it feels like it's been very based on you know the suffer like how us as black men have been like killed in the streets and stuff. And that's been a big catalyst, but it's like, we haven't, not have we haven't moved past, but we haven't like started to make inroads in terms of like really affecting like maybe the lives of, you know what I'm saying? Of black women and their issues. It's just been a very, like, it's just been a very much like we've marched on behalf of these things. And then it's like this whole side of things is still not really sort of dealt with. And then things pop up like this and it's a big, big drama and then black women will say this is bad and then but this go is also again. black women need to just um learn to prioritize ourselves yeah uh, i think so i also think that the may the challenge we have is we haven't finished getting our house in order yet like we're still seeing Rooms on Clubhouse about whether colorism is real and it's still preferences or not. Um, pretty privileged being confused with light skin versus mixed race. Um, what was it? The can black people be feminists? Is that or, or can Christians be black? So people? we <laughs> we'll get into or, that. We will. Like, well, even just a room today was called "I'm a black man who hates black women." I am I wrong? Like, sir, even your grammar for your room is off. Wait, like, oh, I, I, thought, I thought you did that on. I didn't. I thought you said that wrong. No, he 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 said it wrong. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> but the room is called Black Therapist. The the club was called Black Therapists. I just, I don't, I just don't. That's understand. not therapy. It's that's not, um. Is it every? Is it every day? That's joke like... time. Yeah, and and this this is this is why I think it's it's hard for us to really make a dent in this because of just how much unlearning needs to be done within the community, how much fixing needs to be done. We, as a community, there are so many of these negative and incorrect ideologies that we have picked up from being in a world ruled and run by white supremacy, that it's difficult. Now we're, we're, we're like, just we're, we're that draw of cables and everything's all tangled up and we know what the end goal is that we want to get to and maybe we free one or two cables but the rest of it is still tangled up sure but i, I almost i don't think we even necessarily have 
sort of what well, we sort of had i guess we have sort of end goals but the ideas of how we get there are different you know what i'm saying like some yeah. people believe it's communism and black capitalism and all this kind of stuff and blah blah, blah whatever, what have you but i do think yeah we know that we want to stop being brutalized by police we know that we know that we um you know what i'm saying we want better access to education employment and housing we know those we know those things um but yeah i think in terms of i and one of the solutions i think is for you know when when black women do say things like this and explain this stuff i think it's for um you know on like in this particular case i think it's for mixed race women to say like rah um let me listen to hear what the experiences of you know dark-skinned black women are because we don't have that experience so we don't you know and then thinking all right next time this comes around i might get presenting gig or i might get something or some privilege and i might just say you know what i think x person should take it because you know one they might it might be they're more qualified or historically these lot have not had access to being able to do xyz um and it's the same way with you know with black men and if there's you know typically um you know black men will get pushed to the forefront to be able to say this or whatever and it's like we might have to be like you know what maybe we should let a black woman speak you know what i'm saying so it's, it's always those kind of things of just being aware of the privileges that exist and i think it's it always happens like you know what i'm saying like even with me being middle class and someone else being working class and then me knowing that me knowing that then meaning okay in this position i know that you're better suited off to speak about this or you don't typically get the same opportunities as me so let me you know and it's not to say you turn down every position or do everything but i think it's just about i think a lot of it's about conversations and being more self-aware and i think a lot of people just get on the defensive straight away and it's like ah i'm mixed race you're just trying to deny me this that and the other not deny me but it's like you're trying to you know push me out of the black community all these kind of things and it's just like sometimes people just need to stop and not get defensive and think about putting themselves just in someone else's shoes straight off you know what i'm saying Mm. but anyway let's 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 move on because you mentioned um can christians be a but be feminist (laughs) um so there was a a room on clubhouse yesterday that was talking about um and it just descended into into madness but it was an interesting like the premise was i don't want to say the premise was interesting it wasn't when i say it was interesting it's not interesting to me but i already know what i believe about it but it's it's a good conversation to have because it's like clearly people still need to be educated and i think it was just quite interesting how um even now people have so many misconceptions about what feminism is why it started and these sort of wild conspiracy theories that feminists um want to turn women into witches and to stop them believing in marriage and i'm like who are you talking like who are you talking to like i I don't know who believes that like they might have heard of like i don't know radical lesbian feminism and they've spoken they've read two things from women in that in that side of the movement and then have then applied that to everything and i'm like you could do the same thing with anti-racism or black power you could apply two statements that someone had said like i don't know lewis farrakhan might have said some you know he, he may have said some wild stuff and then you they, you then say well see that's why i don't believe in anti-racism or black power because lewis farrakhan is part of that movement and he said x and it's like that's not any sort of logical way to to have an argument about an idea to have a discussion should i say about um any sort of ideology were any were either of you in the room did you did you hear it or do you see the did you see what happened or did you see the conversations that went around it i uh, guess twitter is always like a it's like a running commentary of clubhouse twitter was very helpful in letting me know that i should avoid it <laughs> yeah it was yeah yeah I, I i didn't go near it because it just just struck me as another 
another talk for talking sake like people I, I, I don't know I feel like people just want to be angry at the moment or they are frustrated with someone else and they they, they want to use Clubhouse as the as their um the event platform the therapy the venting space yeah I yeah so I, I think so to clarify what my position is so to me when you talk about concussions be feminist I think to to make it easier for men who have I don't or and there are you know a few women as well who have this just blinders on about feminism they just get up in a tizzy fine I'll just call it women's rights should Christians be pro-women's rights the answer is clearly yes so I don't really think you need any more discussion than that to me feminism is based on the premise of we want women to have to have rights that's like the basis of it if you google it that's what it will say like equality for women yeah. uh, you know you can <laughs> you can decide that there's ulterior motives that you know but yeah it's it's a weird one man like and you know what actually let me not come across as being perfect if we're trying to teach teach people that people can grow I remember it must have been first year of uni when uh, one of my flatmates or hallmates was like, are you a feminist? And I was there loud and proud, like, nah, nah, I'm not about women trying to replace men. Like, if that's what, <laughs> like, no word of a lie. That's what, that's what I thought it was. Um, <laughs> and I was like, nah, mate, all you want is for women to have more rights than men. That's oppressive. Mwah. Um, but yeah, it's that education. I think there's a journey that people need to go on, and and we we also need people to we need the right people to lead people on it, because again, those types who who go full out Pharisee and say, oh, you don't believe in feminism? Well, you're you're a misogynist. You're I was like, well, you know what? Not everyone's that. Some people just haven't gone on the journey. Ignoring that rent. Um, as as a Christian, I think for me the main the main thing is like you said, right? Do we care for the uh, for the empowering of women? Do we care for the support, the protection of women, the safety of women, the opportunity for women to be as successful, the the removal of those barriers to success? Absolutely, that is what you should be advocating for at all times right and and i i always find it a little bit weird when black people struggle to get it because i don't know they may i feel like i need to have some kind of experiment run on which prejudice is the strongest and how different prejudices can act on people because how is it that you can understand that racism is bad and be fully anti-racist and be all about the empowerment of um, black people? But it's it's at misogyny that your brain goes, nope, this one's just not. It's just not. It's not landing. I don't. I don't see it. I don't get it. Black black rights, but not for women. Like none of that makes sense to me. And. Maybe maybe it's just because I'm tired of having to sit in those spaces and make sense of it myself. But really, well, I, I want, yeah, go on. There's... I was gonna say I used to be, believe it or not, um, I used to be 
quite anti-feminist. I think I even gave a Bible study to some of my teens at church when I was like first started uni about how feminism is of the devil. I don't think I used the words of the devil, but I definitely used how it was unbiblical. Um, and I was very much uh, against... Harry, can you make sure you release that clip onto social media? <laughs> <laughs> I was I'll very, find the archives. I was very... <laughs> and I was pro-life, but I don't say pro-life. I was anti-choice. Um, was I anti-choice or was I... I was... Mm-hmm. You don't I, need, it doesn't matter about the specifics, I, did, I didn't think... I don't think I thought abortion was... So I was never really anti-choice, but I was very strongly... I very strongly believe that abortion in all circumstances was wrong, according to the Bible. And I'm quite vocal about it. Um, and we just sent the Lord for growth. So, yeah. Can uh, can Christians be feminists? I think they absolutely can. Do I understand why some people have pause at the word feminist? Yes, because I think feminism in modern circles... I think feminism is a very broad church. Like, it's a very broad church. So, feminism particularly the brand of feminism that you might see most commonly on Twitter might be something that for some Christians, they feel it's not necessarily something that they, that they want to align with. And I can understand, I can understand why, but I would say that I wouldn't judge an entire ideology based on, you know, an aspect of it that might be more extreme. Um, we could apply the same thing to Christianity. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like I, we don't all have to be, God bless her, slum flower for feminists if we don't want to be. Um, no, I'm not, saying, I'm not saying that in a way to demean her. I'm just saying that that brand of feminism might for some people be very extreme. Um, neither are we all going to be like Jermaine Greer. You know, it's just like, it's a very, it's a it's a broad church. So I think you can call yourself a feminist and a Christian. I, I, I've started to become more wary about just labeling, using a label because I just feel like when you when you say certain things, like even though even the word Christian comes with so much baggage <laughs> with that word, when you describe yourself as a Christian to people, there are so many assumptions like inherent in that word about what you how you how you move through the world, how you see the world. That I've started to even like sometimes I'm just like I can I have an internal grave when I tell people I'm a Christian because I can already see, especially for certain people, the wheels turning in their head as to what they're making, what they're assuming about me. Um, and I think for some people, when they say feminist, it's the same thing that they can see the wheels turning in some people's heads. I don't think, I think nowadays a lot of people call themselves feminists, feminists, not a big deal, but they can see the wheels turning in someone's head, especially for men and especially, unfortunately, for some black men who've absorbed the idea that feminism is anti-family and anti-men. So they, they're hesitant to use the word and I get that. But I think maybe instead of us not using the word, maybe we need to just expand, maybe we need to all claim it a lot more strongly so that it can be seen that it is a very broad church and that feminism just basically means equal rights for everybody but i just my why the other thing that i would say though is that so one thing i wanted to pick up on what tinde said is in terms of like you know people not being misogynist or whatever or just not going on the journey or those kind of things like i this is my personal belief i think every man born into his earth is a misogynist they either decide to unlearn it or they just sit in it i I, that's what i think because just because it's how your it's how society is it's literally society is based you know what i'm saying partly on you know what i'm saying on misogyny so i just think i i just think that you can't avoid that but the other thing i would say is that um i think the other thing that we do is i think people don't do research anymore and i think that is a big part of of some of the problem 
like yeah. it's it's very it's not even difficult like whereas back in the day in 2000 if i wanted to know what feminism or 1990 i would have to go to a library let's say i didn't know i'll go to a library find out read a book now i literally am about to do re- in some way some form of research i'm literally going to google and i'm not saying it's just as easy as looking at the top result but i'm saying you can literally do a proper sort of google search you can read certain things you can come to a conclusion but instead of doing that people would rather just i don't know see i don't know jordan peterson video or ben shapiro video with some weird music in the background tweets. or and just it's read like, tweets and then like tweets that's are not, not tweets are not, not books like if you're basing your opinion of who feminists are just based on a select group of people that you follow on twitter i'm i'm not being funny but you need to understand that that is twitter is how much what percentage of the world's population is on twitter I don't know. Less than I, I don't know. We could research it, but we don't have time for that. So I'm gonna say 17. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, random guess. Let's say 20 percent of the world's population is on Twitter. Like that is a completely wild suggestion. What I think it's even about? less. It's definitely less than that. But like much less than that. Say five percent of the world's population is on Twitter. No, like, it's not even anything close to that. <laughs> yeah. So you, it's just like I don't even understand like basing your opinion on the whole thing on that so it's it's, oh, it's less it's the population of america is on tw- is on twitter so it's 330 million so that's like less than that's like a 20th maybe of the world if that you know what i'm gonna say you're fake news and i'm sticking with 70 <laughs> yeah but so yeah i just think come on like guys and i, I just i don't know i i used to get a lot of flat back in the day for when i used to write things about being quote unquote and i used to resist using the word feminist because i was like i'm not a feminist i'm not a feminist i just say a lot of feminist things and then i just thought you know what like they're just calling me anyway regardless just because i say things like it's not okay that church tells women that they can't have sex before marriage but men are allowed to to bone everything that that has a heartbeat (laughs) like if that makes me a feminist i think that just makes me a christian but like whatever yeah and it's it's we we've spoken on this before right the the currency of today uh or the newest currency of today outside of the cryptos is clout right so in order for you to get more clout you need to get more followers in order for you to get more followers you've got to get your takes out before someone else takes them so that it seems like original thought and so and so people do not take the time to do the research because you don't have the time to do the research right if you want if your focus is on building your followership on building your profile getting sponsored ad deals so that you can you can flex on instagram for your few well your few remaining real friends who stopped posting after every other who stopped following you after every other post was a sponsored ad um you can't afford to, to take too much time to learn the people who come on who've already done the work aren't coming at it new they will be people who started with the research and then got the notoriety but even then those are those are people who are in pockets like that's like those are the dr Shola's, those are the akalas who even he will get tired right because if you're actually interested in learning that's what you do you actually take the time to learn um and i just i just worry a little bit 
the, the I this is probably even more rambly than my answers are. Yes. <laughs> you know what? I'm done. I'm not, I'm not falling into your trap. <laughs> just, I, just hope, I hope you know that every room that you host from now on, if you let me on the stage, you're I am go, trolling you're, you're onto me. I know. Fair I'm, enough. Fair I am enough. trolling it. I don't, don't even matter what your opinion is. <laughs> even if it's the right one, he's going to say it's wrong. Completely off topic. There's a tweet. <laughs> Can't be completely off topic. There's what? a tweet where no, someone tweeted no, one has... Can't. Sorry, okay, fine. Too late, she started. Oh, right, go on, go on. Where, where someone's got a picture of four different rappers or MCs and said one has to go. And the only person I recognise is Stormzy. Let me see this picture. Watch. I bet it's going to be very well-known people. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> okay, okay. Just, just, just put it... Put it yes! No, 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 you're going to laugh at this one. <laughs> Bro, can you believe this? <laughs> Wait, you don't recognize? <laughs> Bro, she doesn't recognize them. I <laughs> Who are these people? Oh, no, guys, guys, no, guys, no, guys, no. guys, guys, for everyone who's listening. So it's Dave, Stormzy, Jay Huss, and Skepta. One of them Skepta. No, I didn't know. I know. I think Dave, I Dave, Jay Huss, Stormzy, Skepta. Like the... <laughs> Hold on. I don't know who Jay Huss looks like, what Jay Huss looks like. He's bottom left. Dave is the one who did the song at, with the piano at um, the Brits. Yes, that's him. The one with the the one who did the song with the piano. I don't. I don't really know his face. <laughs> wow. Anyway. Um, anyway, no. The, what was sending me was that the topic was one has to go. It was a trending topic, and it, the topic was just titled Stormzy. Uh, <laughs> I was just like, why have you already made him the answer? Um. <laughs> I don't, anyway, I'm going to move I don't on. Know. I, I, let me I don't know anything it. about... I'm not, not about... going to get to it. Because I, I don't know Jay Huss's music at all. And I don't really care to. So let's keep it moving. <laughs> Is Stormzy like the UK's Drake in terms of like, he does very well, but not particularly respected as a rapper? Is that fair? I don't know. I yeah, honestly don't know. I don't, think, I don't think most people... As some... Like, I don't think most people respect him as much as other rappers. Like, I don't... I wouldn't say Stormzy's a better rapper than Skepta or Chip or like Getz. I would have. I wouldn't probably put them on the, on on their level personally. But that's just me though. Anyway, but God, everyone has their own different God opinions about him, it. Blinded by his grace. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. He put gospel music back yeah. on the map in the UK. I like him. Well, in mainstream that is. Anyway. Um, anyway, just to get back to what your point was about Sorry. can Christians be feminists? I don't even know how or why we took that detail, but that's what we did, and we're circling back to what Tunde said, and he said. Um, yeah, I, ramble. I, I did go on a ramble, but I, I, I think the, the main thing I was trying to say was just, we, it was in response to Nezi saying, you know, that, that people, um, we don't do research, blah, 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 or maybe it was you, Harry who said it. Um, and, and it's cause we don't, we don't live in a generation where that is beneficial for people, right? They're, the beneficial path for that per the selfish benefit is to be quick out of the gates with it and so that's why we're still getting a lot of these shallow takes because mm. even though like what you would expect what's the what you would normally see in previous generations is as uh knowledge and understanding develops that knowledge and understanding is passed down through learning through education through uh you know the previous generation teaching the others the problem i think we have is that we're only just learning 
we're only just starting to unlearn some of this stuff ourselves. And at this point, it's a bit late because the generation that's coming up immediately after us are already on the internet. TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, they are already on there. And what they've seen isn't the, 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 the learning process, which is happening right now. What they've seen is that those who get their thoughts out quickly, gain notoriety, get more money, they are able to live different lifestyles. They are they're seeing all of the stuff that we only used to see happening for big name celebrities or footballers or actors. Right. They're seeing regular people being able to get that by doing this. And that for me, I think, is the main is the main uh, inhibitor of the growth and the conversation we need to have in order for the dial to actually effectively move. I just think people need to be taught critical thinking, man. Like, I think that's just a lost art these days. And I think like doing research on a topic is to me should be like one of the base things taught in school. Like I know critical thinking was a joke thing when we took it for AS, but I think it needs to be brought back and it needs to be at GCSE level. Like if you can't critically think, you don't have no you don't have really have a how can you function in society properly? Like that's the reason we have things like Brexit and all these other things, is because people don't critically think about any sort of issues. Like even with this lockdown stuff now and people saying, oh, the government this, and there's this global conspiracy, the pandemic, and it's all a conspiracy to kill us all off. And I'm like, they don't want to kill us all off. They need us alive because they don't want to work. They want us poor dopes to work for them. So it's actually in their best interest for us to be alive. Like, that's the thing. Yeah, anyway. Reading is fun. I mean, as, um, like, you know, Sister um, Dolores said in Sister Act, if you want to be somebody, you, you want to go, go somewhere, somewhere. you yep. better no. wake up. No, no, no. You don't get away with that. You said Sister Act, <laughs> you said sister act not Sister Act 2. What's going on? Ooh. Oh, Sister Act 2, yeah. What's going on? True, true. I actually watched, I watched it last week. In Sister Act 1, what she said was, nothing you can do can take me away from my God. Okay? Guys, the That's best. what was the best? The best choir song in Sister Act 2 was definitely... Love, send a revival and let it begin in me. What? You know, in the choir competition. You know, that's the prefer- best that's choir the song. Best is one. Tunde, Revival answer the question correctly. What is the best choir song in Sister Act 2? Okay. Nezzy, stop. What is the best choir song? It's a very obvious answer. In terms of individual performance, I'm going, oh, happy day. Because... He when jesus his, what okay fine yeah he showed his record yeah, yeah fine um as part of the collective and you know in actually understanding the assignment i do think joyful joyful wins it exactly everybody knows that joyful as, joyful as, lord we adore thee and in my yeah. life okay I but i think that's because we heard, the youngster we heard I came the to whole know. we heard the whole of joyful joyful i feel like if we'd heard the whole of lord send a revival no, they no, they didn't, they didn't. no, can I explain why? Okay, no, you're right. Do you know what they, they didn't did enjoy for Joyful? They didn't have the they raps, did they didn't have all yeah, the... Yeah, and they yeah. had the, sample, the samples as well. Yeah, it's true. Like, you know it's what I'm saying? True. What have you done for me lately? Like, you done with D.O.D.? Yeah, you know me. Like, they... Bro. And you know, the best thing about it was they did all of that on a harpsichord. Man. Man. <laughs> That, the backing tracks they didn't they didn't have backing tracks like that back <laughs> who mixed it who they just did that on on the spot <laughs> improvise I mean, it was it was <laughs> no nah, it was it was dope man so so hold up since we're since we're since we're going down the music route 
I know that Ashanti Keisha Cole um, versus was the other day. Did any of you watch it? Yeah, I watched parts of it. Obviously, Team Ashanti, of course, because yeah, team, you know, there's no other team to be. Well, there is actually. I have the one of the best ever musical performances that I've ever that I, I've ever seen. I know where this is going. Like, I think personally that this musical performance, man, I've not really heard too many people beat this one. This was insane. Let me see if I can let me see if I let me see if I can pull it up. Like I know people say Ashanti, you know, like you know, um, people say Keisha Cole, man. Listen to this. And why should my heart <laughs> feel lonely? Jesus, help me, please. it's so bad it's <laughs> and so that's bad. why i'm sorry i know from that from hearing that i was forever biased against keisha cole all i'm saying is this is the this is you know what i'm saying this is our winner <laughs> anyway listen all i can say is she is the reason behind jennifer lopez's success and oh, for that, <laughs> someone, someone said was Ashanti um, underneath the stage at the inauguration. <laughs> no, no, no. Let's not discredit. No, I don't want to discredit it because Stevie Mackey worked hard on yeah, Jennifer Lopez. And we're going to give him Miss Flowers. Like, well done to him, man. Well done to him. Like, I'm yeah. not going to, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> let's, let's respect the work that Steve, Stevie <laughs> did, Mackey did on, on her vocals because, yeah. But there was the, when I was watching the verses, it was a little bit weird because I just felt like Keisha Cole was just. She mad. didn't seem like she was really there. She was like, upset, she just was angry just, the whole time. Yeah, I'm thinking, mad. and she was like, "You remember that bit where like Keisha Cole was like, I'm going first, and it's like she started first, and so Ashanti was like, "No, I'm going first. And I like that Ashanti respectfully was like, "No." <laughs> was like, but oh, no, yeah. Well, what we can say is that they both looked amazing still at their. Um, how old are they now? I can't remember. They're forties, but they're just. I think they're forties. I think so. Yeah. I think fifties. Surely. No, no, no. Whoa, whoa, whoa! You're aging them, bro. <laughs> they're not fifties. Remember when Ashanti came out? We were like, I was like, Wait, I remember listening to her in like year Sean. seven or eight. Ashanti is forty. Yeah, and she's barely just turned forty. Keisha Cole. Keisha Cole's I would say she's slightly, slightly younger. Yeah, she's thirty nine. Thirty nine. Keisha. Yeah, Maisha. Apolo- 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 apologies. Apologies to the. The, the babe of Shanti. I, I never 50, should have doubted you. Well, actually, Listen, to be fair, I, it's black women. Okay, black you can women. never tell. They, you can't tell. Oh my All gosh! Do you, know is, do you know who's fifty? Regina Hall. Regina Hall is fifty. Ridiculous. She looks and, and Halle Berry. And yeah. Halle Berry. Mm-mm. But so, so 
here's the other thing. Do you like talk, talking of amazing black women? Serena Williams. Did you see that video when she was doing her trophy? T- Yo, that, <laughs> that was a flex. She's taking a flex. Man said, um, "I don't think I have any open." Oh, I do. I do have open trophies. Here's here's one of my friends. She opens. I don't have too many of those. I was like, oh, oh, she's getting humble. And here's one of my US opens. Oh, and here's one of my Wimbledons back when it was smaller. And then here's one of my bigger Wimbledons. <laughs> I don't think I've got an Australian. Oh, I do. I do. Here's my Australian open. Oh, and here's my second. Wait, why is that in here? We don't keep the second place trophies. I said, Jesus. <laughs> And Jill was Jesus, when, when she said, oh, and my sister Venus has, done, has won seven of these. And I was like, yes. Like, oh. <laughs> I was like, don't forget Venus because Venus really paved the way. Like, yeah. But here's, so here's the thing, though. You have to respect, like, I think you got to respect the parents and respect, like. Respect, ha- respect to Uncle Richard. He yeah, did like, the, like the work he ethic and stuff is like, man, Serena and Venus just, I know we've spoken about it before, but they just set so much pace. Like they grew up in Compton like from the age of three went to florida later on but it's just like to just you know to have two black women at the top of their game like more to me more than like someone like barack obama or someone like that like i feel like they they are like a shining example of just like i don't know black excellence and what it can really do like i just think man and they were at the top of their game like they were fully at the top of their game but it's like no one was t- in that time like I think after like pretty much two thousand, like and people not just in that time, no one's since. Yeah, no one. No, no one's no one's dominated since. I'm really I'm 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 rooting for um, Coco. Coco. Oh, Coco! Listen, Coco. Coco. I like Man. Naomi Osaka as well. And I feel like she's like Serena Williams is like, and you see what the power of like having a forerunner or a front yeah. runner like that. Sloane like you uh, see, Sloane yeah, w- yeah, yeah. They would have grown up. They would have grown up watching Serena mm. Venus and been like, wow. And now they could see themselves there like as much as you know i'm not really not a tiger woods fan but it's just seeing that they're beating her like yeah that, yeah that has such an inspirational like effect mm. because there's no taking away from serena's greatness no matter how many times she loses yeah. as far as i'm concerned like her, her her entering i'm there like yep she's one she's one for me because with with professional sports there is such a normal limited window and she's far exceeded it I just don't understand how she's still going. Like, she's 40 now, right? Probably. She's, she's, it's, oh, no, she, she's just touching. Who is she? She is... What, no, she's 39. That's what I'm saying. She's, she's 39? That's what I'm saying. Like, she's still... Like, to, if this was football terms, she should be a goalie. She's done that here. Yeah, she's done that here. Like, she should be... Like, her only choice is goalie. There's no, there's no way she's out here. No, and she's no, but like, she's in a different league, bro. She's she's playing like a sunset in her career somewhere else, playing like you know little exhibition matches and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like she's not doing, she's not competing on the highest level still. But the thing, she's still do, she's doing it now and coming second. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's not even like she's doing it and getting knocked out in the in yes. the, in the rounds. Like to be honest, it's completely wild what's happening. And, with and her. You know that she's probably the most tested athlete in the world. Like she's number eleven at thirty nine. I love it. But like, and, and, and especially, especially when you look at women's tennis, like in men's, you have those dominators. Like you've got the Djokovic's, you've got the Federer's, you've got the Nadal, who when they enter, you know, it's pretty much guaranteed that they go through. But there's a block of them. There's a whole block. With women's, if Serena's not in the tournament, anyone can win it. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. But that's the, that's the thing. It's like... Although it's, people like Naomi Osaka seems to be quite... 
No, they start like they started like you know. Yeah. No, even even like I love Naomi Osaka. She's she's she seems really good vibes. But, but there's no one dominating on that kind of in the same way. Not, yeah, that's, that's not, the, the, not the same way that Serena was, no. Yeah, it's the reason why um, in the same tournaments, Sloane Stevens has beaten. Um, what's it called? Sloane Stevens has a has a open right. She's got a Grand Slam. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's the reason why Osaka has one or two. Stevens has one. Um, Coco's out there starting to compete now. I mean, she's still a child, so give her time to get to get to her peak. But it's because all of them are at a they're at a constant level of good. But I think everyone on the women's tour who is at the top is at a constant level of good. There is no one at a Serena level of good. Right. And there's, I don't think there's people in between either. Like, there's no one in that pack that's kind of standing out enough. So if you remove Serena, they're standing out. Everyone else is just in that. Yeah, we're. Yeah, I'm we're looking at the rankings now. Osaka's third. You got Simona Halep. You got um, Ashley Barty. So like, it's people. Like, it's people that you know are definitely winning. But it's just like the the level of dominance that Serena and Venus had was like, you know. And that's the thing. I actually feel like like back in the day, you had. I remember when they were just coming out. I remember they're competing with big women, but then when they were just coming out, it was like um, Kim Clijsters and um, Justin Enninarden and uh, all those kind of people like that they were just competing with, um, and it was like a nine sort of a nine eight sort of situation. But once they started getting into their twenties, it's game over. They're not getting touched. It was it was it was a wrap. And it's like, how are you competing on the heights? So she won the first her first Wimbledon title was ninety eight. Serena's. It's now twenty twenty one. That's twenty three years. It's it's actually mad. Like it. it's just like, silly. She's 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 just amazing. And also like she posted a video of herself the other day and I was like, she's also gorgeous. Like I think she's just an amazing woman. I've been trying Beautiful. to tell people. But then the other thing is she's a she's a mum as well. That's what's killing it. She won us won a, she won one when she was pregnant. I'm yeah. sorry, that automatically that automatically makes you the greatest of all time. Like it is what it is. Yes, it's, yeah. it's different. It's different, different levels to this thing. But yeah, man, we are. Yeah, this is the official stand podcast of you know. What I'm saying Serena Williams. We will not hear any slander. That's the title of the spin-off. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> we will, this yeah, is yeah. Serena Williams. <laughs> we will not hear any Serena slander on this show. Sorry, very off topic again. Gone. <laughs> Did anyone see the Doctor Umar video where he was like, he doesn't have any friends? Yeah, 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 yeah. Please somebody play it. Please play it. <laughs> I have, I have activists in the movement, revolutionaries, associates. <laughs> my only friend is my mother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was like, I, I felt that. <laughs> that was like, uh, um, listen, Umar has the the best videos on social media. <laughs> that is an undeniable, undeniable fact. How am I, how am I supposed to find this video though? I don't even. <laughs> I don't know. Like I can't even wait. You tweeted it, didn't you? Oh, I think I tagged you in it. <laughs> even just seeing, even just seeing Doctor Umar's face just make <laughs> just makes me laugh. Like it's like a familiar. I feel like he. I feel like he's probably so annoyed at the fact that he's become <laughs> a meme. A meme. Nah, he was <laughs> supposed to joke. be like a serious doctor, and man, I'm just out here just laughing at him. Poor Umar, man. Well, maybe not say poor Doctor Umar. Put some Sorry, Doctor. Yeah, no. See. That's 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 the whole point. I'm not even respecting him. I'm not even putting enough respect on his his um what is he a doctor of? I actually I've I never I've never known. Psychology. Oh yeah, I'm not going to be able to psychologize. 
Some of them going to sleep. <laughs> For good. <laughs> but I need people I can trust because I don't have any friends. I don't have any friends. I have associates. <laughs> I have fellow organizers, fellow revolutionaries. But a friend, I have my mother. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Dr. Uber. Yeah, I, he must be steaming that there's a whole, there's a, literally a whole, like, account with 203,000 followers called <laughs> No Context Dr. Umar, he must but be... But you can use him for so much. Like, that's got nothing to do with the cause. <laughs> as, as he never in the house, that is not relevant at all. I just love, like, any video of him is just, like, is immediately... Even just his looks on the camera are just classic. On the campus grounds, I'm not feeling that. Please put the trash in a trash can, not on the street. I didn't pick up. Somebody shit it. I don't know if that was human shit or dog shit, but somebody. Okay, I don't know what he's talking about. There, he's he's always just—he's wild. He's yeah. Someone, yeah. He needs help. Anyway, um, we're rapping, we're rapping, we're rapping, we're rapping. Um, I guess we're still um in lockdown over here. How have you guys been spending the time? What have you guys been, or how are you guys feeling about it? Like. Are you excited at the prospect of a vaccine? And in fact, will you be getting vaccinated? Yep. Nezzy? Yep. Absolutely. 100%. This is actually a pro-vaccine stand podcast as well. We stand, we stand a vaccine over here. No, real talk. So, why, so Tunde, why will you be getting the vaccine? What is your reasoning? I need to Seeing as out. this is a pandemic. I need to get out. <laughs> uh no nah, but like we've been taking vaccines for all kinds of, like when i had to go to taiwan i had like five that i had to take as as boosters like i, I don't understand why people you know what we're not going to get into that we're not going to get into anti vax okay no no so so what i just want to say quick is that someone might say to you well cool we, we hear those vaccines but they've been you know they've been developed over a number of years this one has been rushed, so yep. I don't want to take it. Okay. No one knows the effects. Yep. And it's not been tested properly. What would you say to someone who said that? This is done under emergency circumstances. I mean, it's it's not something that's brand new. It's the novel coronavirus. There are um, variants of the coronavirus that we have had for years and years before this, so we're not starting from a standing start. So... <laughs> There's, there's work that can be done towards it. And as far as I'm concerned, like, shouts to you if you don't want to take it. But as for me and my house... We will serve the Lord. And take the vaccine. And take the vaccine. Okay. And taking the vaccine is serving the Lord. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, I'm so, okay, so, so Nezi, um, I know you are privy to um, certain things in your career. Why is it that you'll be taking the vaccine? Because I don't want to catch COVID from one of you people. Wow. You okay. people. And I don't want to spread COVID to somebody who's more vulnerable than me. So, yeah. Like, I, guys, I know, I, I understand there's a historic distrust of the medical community in, in the, within the black community. And that's going to take years to regain trust. Like, it's just going to take years. And I don't know if we ever will, because I don't really feel like white people are ever not going to be racist. But if, if things are going to improve, it's going to take time. I just want to stress that time is of the essence when it comes to this vaccine in the sense that like 
the the death rate for the Black Caribbean community is the highest out of any ethnicity um, from COVID. In terms of black, um, in terms of vaccine hesitancy, I think, well, I, even the term vaccine hesitancy, I'm trying to think of other ways to say it because it seems to be quite stigmatizing. Black Africans, I think, have the lowest rates of vaccine uptake. And what I really don't want is a situation where we are die- still dying from coronavirus and then we are blamed because they're like, well, we offered you the vaccine and you didn't want to take it. And then we have local outbreaks within our areas. Because if you're looking at areas where it's like 40, 50 percent black and minority ethnic and we don't take the vaccine, that means it's more likely to be localized outbreaks in our areas and we're going to die. And the rhetoric that will be from the mainstream media, especially as the re- media is becoming a lot more right wing and frankly racist, is going to be that we offered the vaccine to these black people and they didn't want to take it. And that's the reason why they're dying. And on one level, it's true. But on on the other level, they're not going to recognise the nuance of the reasons why black people are, are reluctant to take a vaccine, why we don't trust the medical profession, why we have a historic distrust of scientists and science. And those are all very valid things. But I just need people to understand that your risks of dying from COVID are significantly higher than your risk of coming to any adverse effect from a vaccine. There are millions of people in this country who've already taken it. We've had no deaths from the vaccine, quote unquote, so far. We've had, I think, like one significant reaction. That's been an allergic reaction and that person obviously didn't die. There is just no, like, I know so many people taking the vaccine and are completely fine and they feel completely fine. So I would just encourage you to do your research, um, check reputable sources, ask your GP, ask a healthcare professional. Yeah. So... The other thing that I was going to say is, um, and obviously, as you know, but I'm just saying this for people that wouldn't know. So, for instance, I know some people are saying, well, the vaccine, normally some vaccines can take up to 10 years to produce. Now, this vaccine has been developed in less than a year. Um, How has this happened? So, in this whole time, there's been a lot of things that have been developed very, very quickly. So, like working from home, all these different things, companies that weren't working, they managed to roll things out and people started being able to work from home. They managed to do it en masse. So the same thing with the vaccines. We've managed to produce it faster just because we've been put in adverse circumstances and we've everybody's banded together. So whereas before, you wouldn't have rival companies joining joining forces and like university and private research sharing resources and talent. Like that doesn't always happen. But now, because we're in completely different times, so we have unconventional results. And so where there were bureaucratic obstacles and stuff like that, that's now not the case. So there's a reason why. So that, so there's a technical manager of pharma in, industry. And so I think, you know, it's head of like a, ph- like a ph- pharmaceutical sort of body. And they said never in history have so many people worked on something at the same time and so intensively. So that's the reason why it's, it's been developed so quickly. It's because they've literally spent all of their time doing this one thing. Like in general, that's not normally how it works. Like they would have been developing loads you know, of other drugs. Loads so of, other, loads of other, drugs. other drugs that we would have been developing or things that would have been developed have literally been paused yeah. um, or maybe not as much gone because at the, at, for, for a short time, just to focus on this vaccine, because obviously there's no, like if people are dying en masse from COVID there's, and the hospitals are packed with COVID patients, like it doesn't even really make sense to not redirect all, most of your resources to that particular thing. So that's the reason why it's been developed so quickly. Um, and people are saying that these mRNA, mRNA vaccines are new. They're not. Like they have been kind of in trials in for the past ten years, um, with like MERS and um, SARS, SARS and things like that. And there SARS is actually a variant of. Is yeah, it, it's like a, COVID, I think it's a COVID. It's a COVID. It's like a COVID virus. Cousin or something. Yeah, but like I think um, they hadn't been able to get 
a vaccine for like SARS or MERS that was that they fully rolled out to the general public or whatever, but they managed to do it with COVID because of all the resources that were put into it. So it's not a new technology. It's something that's been around for like at least a decade. And if you're not comfortable with the mRNA vaccine, the Oxford vaccine is a more traditional type vaccine. So, but I think that I think the main thing is as well is just like at the end of the day, COVID is going to be more dangerous to you than not taking the vaccine. As far like as far as all the evidence suggests. That's what it's going to... And the other side of it is people think that it's just about dying from COVID. That's not the only thing that can happen. It's not either you die or you live. Like, yes, you die or you live, but all so many things can happen in between you living and dying. Like, you could have... You could be hospitalised. Like, you could have really bad trouble breathing. You could get into comas, which a lot of... I've heard, like, in the last how many days, so many people being hospitalised um, on, you know what I'm saying, on oxygen, um, people losing their sense of smell, losing losing their sense of like everything can you imagine like not being able to like so i know it sounds really trivial but like not being able to taste for ages like i know someone from work who literally can everything taste like like rotting fish to him for like the past six months can you imagine Uh, or not being able to smell my favorite joe malone perfume for six months i I mean sounds trivial but i feel like one of those is yeah yeah. I, i think one of those is Probably okay, I know one of them is probably worse. What I'm saying is, even if you can think of the the like one of the most trivial side effects of having COVID, like not being able to smell for a few months, that's still like significant. Like some people get really, I know of, you know, get, from, get really depressed from something like not being able to smell for six months. It sounds really trivial when there's people actually dying, but that's what I'm saying is like, like there's put the, the the stress and the anxiety and the depression that's come with this pandemic just from you being in a, in a lockdown and then add that to a potential side effect a trivial side effect from covid and then compare that risk to the risk of something happening to you from getting a vaccine well, to be honest, not I, don't, I, don't even, I don't even think it's trivial to it's, it's not like, not, like not having taste isn't trivial especially in time like this i'm not gonna lie i think food has been a comfort to loads of people it's been a comfort to me <laughs> same <laughs> like so not being able to taste it mate Anyway, so... And know, I, I don't uh, want to say that to trivialise people who've actually had genuine, like, deaths, but that's why I'm saying to take this thing seriously. Like, you losing your 10 senses of smell or taste is a trivial side effect. You having COVID and having that and then passing that on to a bunch of people, like, one of those people might die. So the vaccine is not just about you. It's about developing herd immunity in the population so that we can protect everybody. And, and then, yeah. the end of my rant. And then the other thing... Like there is no there is no incentive for them to be callous with this. You realize that if the vaccine ended up and people started dying, they're done out here. Like that company's finished. Like you think anyone's gonna be trusted anything for Moderna if they found out that yeah they made a vaccine and like half the people that took it died. It is not in their best interest. It is in their best interest as a company to make the best vaccine possible, so that they get more. Mo- like it's money, guys. Like people care about money. <laughs> is in their best interest to give you the best possible vaccine to get the most money like it's it's not rocket science guys anyway so yeah we are pro vaccine pro serena williams podcast um (laughs) and that's how we're going to end it so thank you for listening this has been tales from the plantation um volume 37 i'm your host harry tubman again i've led you to freedom you're welcome i want to give a chance to the other um hosts to say their goodbyes to you and any words of wisdom they may have I don't know uh, doing this but this is just how I'm decided to end no, it no, I, I like it, I'm really glad you gave us a chance for once as opposed to, you know, just hugging the, the goodbye <laughs> <laughs> this guy <laughs>
no, but thank you guys for listening. Not guys, all. I need to. I'm still trying to check my language. I apologize. Um, thank you all for listening. Ooh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at TFTP underscore Tunde. That's T U N D E. My wise words for this uh, uh, for this this ending is thank you, Black women, for continuing to be excellent um, with your challenges on the Twitters and the TikToks. Appreciate you. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh wow! 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 You know, we didn't talk about Chloe. No, all right. So, 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 let's now let's talk. Let's let's talk about Chloe Bailey. I need to go and bring my charger down. But go, you guys. Chloe Bailey, Nezzy, take it away. So I love. I I really enjoy. Um, I really enjoy Chloe Bailey. Um, I just I love Chloe and Halley's. I like. The, I like. I've, I think they're just so musically talented. I love yep. their vibe. I think they're just interesting and a bit different. I love their locks. I've recently just put in micro locks. So I'm like team locks now. Um, and I think it was really sad for me just to see. So if you guys haven't heard, basically Chloe made, made I think she did a busset challenge and she did a silhouette challenge. And then she did a video. And then people were just saying some negative things. Um, and so she did a video. Basically, she, she was in tears saying that she's been really insecure about her body for a while um basically thinking that she was like fat and you know her doing those challenges like this is the first time where she's been really confident in her body um and so obviously like i do have my views about the kind of what i think is the pervasive hmm, pervasive sexualization of women especially on platforms like in instagram um however separating it from what I kind of like my personal career practice for my life, whatever. What I see is a young woman who's who's decided that for her and for her sexuality and for what she wants to do, this is what made her feel empowered. Um, and regardless of what your thoughts are about what she did, it's never okay for anyone to be criticizing anyone's body like that on social media. And the fact that someone so young has had to face so much criticism just public criticism about her body um to me was just really awful and just showed to me how like there's so many instances i can think of of black women having their bodies critiqued from ari lennox's nose and people saying tan and taylor look like a rottweiler to chloe to lizzo and it's just like just let, let black be. women be correct and and you know what you i don't think you even you didn't even complete it because the same story has been going on. Michelle Obama got it. Serena Williams got it. Blue Ivy got it. Um, yeah, like I, I, I was joking when I said it, but I, I personally think it's, it's, you know, actually, there's two sides to it. Number one, they are beautiful, so I'm not going to, I'm not even going to apologize for thinking they are beautiful. <laughs> okay. um, but number two, I think it is it's so lovely when you see them just being happy like you you know when you see the joy in them as they're just enjoying being themselves and the freedom of of just doing what they want like that in itself is such a great feeling whether that is people who choose to do the busset challenge whether it's people who are just um like lizzo loving her body like she doesn't need to flaunt it whether that's michelle obama just banging out a suit for inauguration and you see that the, just the, the confidence in them and the happiness that comes with it i think 
we need more of that and i suppose it links back to the first first uh topic of education and just allowing women to just be who they want to be and stay out of women's business man. that's that's my thing is i feel like when you say a woman's business like i have my i've and i've been vocal on my podcast about my own views about even things like nikki uh, not nikki, gosh oh i'm doing the thing where where i'm um making two <laughs> i was gonna say cardi b and i said Nicki minaj and that's terrible but um cardi and megan um and my views about that and yes they did not they did not drive with the main well, i wouldn't say mainstream with some of some feminist views on it um i do think we need to examine how we perform for the male gaze when it comes to our sexuality like i i do think that's something that we need to continue to critique but um my thing is that black women are never allowed to to be in the same way that other women are like they're just they're just never allowed to just be in the same way that other women are and it frustrates me um because i don't have to i don't have to to do what you do to allow you the right to do it without being um horrible about it and i just don't understand why black men can't just sit down and eat their food like if they, if they don't like it why why like why is it always a need to to make a woman feel bad about herself i just don't understand the need to um and yeah and especially i think for me especially for chloe it was her age that made me really upset because i think of myself at that age and how difficult it is at that age to come into a place of acceptance of your body and of yourself in a in a climate where women's bodies are constantly critiqued and cut apart and there's a standard that seems to every to always be changing like you have to be thin but you also have to be thick at the same time you need to have a tiny waist but you need to have a big bum you need to she's a celebrity so she's a pressure for her to be like a sample size eight but also she's a black woman in a space where they want her to be thick and she's basically saying i've got to the point where i actually just liked myself and then i then people were just tearing me down and this you know i feel like we could we could go on a whole journey right because it's it's the same thing that contributes to um yeah it's the same patriarchal concepts that contribute to body dysmorphia not just in women but also in men and the struggles that we have there and the fact that we don't address those probably makes it difficult for men to understand the effects it can have on others and particularly women because women's role is always defined as looking good like it kind of starts with looking good and then they add in the actual job description um so yeah i'm not gonna i'm not gonna take this on for too long my my summary of it is i'm really happy that chloe's happy i'm happy that everyone who chose to do Busset challenge is happy with it. I'm happy that everyone who chose to do silhouette challenge is happy with it. I'm happy that people who chose not to do either are happy with it. And I just want everyone to just play no happy and joy in their lives. That's play no happy. Be happy. Um, I would get into Mike Todd telling women about the silhouette challenge, but what did he? I, what I miss this. What did Mike Todd say? Uh, I want to just, you know, I want to pull it up just because I, I feel like if you've been quite loud about your pornography addiction, then it's, you need to be approached that topic with some humility. So I hope you did. I love this. My, I typed in Mike Toller and it said silhouette. And I'm like, oh, that's all good. <laughs> Imagine if he came on and did it. 
I know he did. He did like a little video about it, like a a parody, I think. Oh, the sort of oh, yeah. Gosh, these new pastors—they can't just preach the Bible. No, it's, hold all, on, it's hold always on. a it's always a, a dramatic so let, me, let me find it. I think it's this. Ugh, I'm on the Shade Bros YouTube channel. I'm about to preach this thing right now. I'm asking you, young lady, not to do the silhouette challenge and be impressive with your body. They don't even want to know what's in your mind no more because you've shown them everything that's under your clothes. But what I'm telling you right now is that you could be more impactful than impressive. Many people have... Ex yeah. So my... This is my personal thing about it. Well, actually, no. Nezzy, you go first, and then would you? What, what do you? As a woman, how do you? What do I, how do I view that? Hear that? What, what do you? What I, do you I feel hear like I'm that? gonna upset both sides with this. So I don't care people uh -oh. anyway. <laughs> um, like obviously, as a Christian, I'm not gonna sit here and act like I feel like the silhouette challenge is something that one I would engage in, or that I feel like people who are Christians should engage in, because I don't. At the same time, I don't know who Christian men are to really be. I just find this obsession from Christian men, Christian past in particular, of, of with what women do and women's bodies, very sick and twisted when we're at a point in our history where we're literally having a Me Too movement in the church, where we're having men like Rabbi Zacharias, like revealed to have been sexually assaulted multiple women, where we're having <laughs> pastors like Carl Lentz having to be taken down from the pulpit for um you know stepping outside of the marriage and also not just not just having consenting sex but having kind of mm, kind of sex that's potentially not entirely consensual or there's a power, power, dynamic. power a power dynamic that's that's problematic and i just not i'm not hearing any energy or the same energy and i feel like women especially black women are um an easy target for these pastors black women make up the majority of um church populations black church populations we're an easy target for you to preach your rhetoric about um you know not performing not not doing silhouette challenge not doing busted challenge like i'm not being funny do, but do do they really think that like christian women are not aware of like i just i just don't understand i don't understand why that I, actually i do understand I, the, the, I understand why the energy is there it's because it's it's patriarchy and it's misogyny and it's sexism that's why you have so much energy for women and black women and you have no energy for your peers like you just admit he has literally admitted that he has a problem with pornography like <laughs> it's the lack of introspe introspection for me it's the lack of humility for me it's just astounding to me that's that's my opinion i mean i just i don't get it yeah so i kind of yeah i would agree i just think i don't know i was just like when i heard it i was like who are you talking to because 99 percent of christian women probably ain't like ones who are you know trying to go church or that kind of are probably not doing that so i don't really know who that that I, oh, mm, mm, mm. that's a that's a big social media stat that you've just used there it's a social media it's a social it's a social media stat but i'm gonna be honest like when i say when i say this what i mean is most of the like I would be willing, and this is just a guess, I could be completely wrong, but majority of, let's say, let's just say traditional or just general women that would define themselves as a, like, let's say a Bible-believing Christian, if you were to ask them, does God, like, does God condone you doing this? They probably wouldn't say, yeah, it's fine. Like, it's not, I, w I would be willing to say that that's probably not most. They might be, they might be, yeah, but that's the thing. There's a difference between me saying, I know what's right and wrong i'm gonna do it anyway 
that's your right. That's your right. But I doubt there's many people who's going to be like, yeah, it's fine. I didn't see that many people arguing about it because it's like, what's there to really argue about? I think really for me, the, I think that Mike Todd should be saying like, yo, man, you lot should be watching yourself on social media because you know this hey. stuff is coming around. You don't need to like, you need to understand that you are still at fault for lusting. Period. It's a sermon. Like you, he personally admitted that he struggles with pornography. So shouldn't the sermon be about guarding your eyes and guarding your heart or whatever, or learning to not, or not objectifying women or saying we've been conditioned in society to objectify women. These women are doing what they want to do with their bodies, but you don't have to objectify them as women just because they decide to do this. Like, this does not give you the right to objectify women. That's a sermon. That's radical to me because it's not yes. enough. Telling women um, that they need to cover up or do is, is, it's just like, I mean, how many times have we heard this before? And clearly, I mean, I think, it's I not with women. Believe, Christian women are not, don't have a problem. I believe there was that time that Jesus said in the Bible, if your eyes cause you to sin. Well, 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 well. well. Woman, why, why were you doing the silhouette challenge? <laughs> Famous text, bro. I remember straight that from the word, straight from the yeah, word. Yeah, man. Paraphrasing. Man. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I just, yeah, I think that it's that, to me, and this is the same thing I was saying with the can Christians be feminist room, and it's a question of energies. And it's like, I feel like that belies where, like, well, where your, your heart, heart is. is. Yeah, where your heart is and your emotions are, because the fact that you haven't really seen it, and I just, I could be wrong. Someone could pull up and show me. But I haven't seen these mo- pastors like Mike Toller, just all these other pastors. I haven't seen them talking about sexual abuse. I haven't seen them calling out their fellow brethren for just like being moving mad with their wives. I haven't seen all of that. But it's I haven't, also seen, I haven't seen them talking about that. Sorry, go on. It's financial. Like these these pastors, the, the biggest audience is women. And for some reason, as women, we've been taught to self flagellate by listening to people who constantly talk about how we're not we're not especially doing, men. How we're do. not doing talk like for men who are talking about how we're not doing well enough and how we're not good enough. And we constantly self-flagellate and constantly pour on guilt and shame and blah, blah, blah. And that is literally, it's a market. The reason he doesn't preach to men is because men ain't listening to Mike Todd like that. That's not his primary audience. Why do you think John Gray can... You heard, you heard what I was going to, carry on. Yeah, (laughs) I was going to say, like even John Gray, what was his, um, the spirit of girlfriend or whatever nonsense. You know, he's just back doing his normal thing now. That never happened. He's just... Tweeting, just living, living his, no, living his life. Living his life. Second, second cheek. Like he doesn't talk to men because men aren't listening. To I like. I haven't. I haven't heard John Gray say. You know what, men? We need to do X, Y, Z. Look at what I've been. Like. Even after he cheated twice, no energy for men. And I honestly feel like, as black women, we need to stop listening to these pastors. Like, stop clicking on Mike Todd sermons. Stop clicking on John Gray sermons. Stop giving them your coins. Stop giving them your the, the, your your views. Just stop letting yourself be abused spiritually abused by these men and on that note <laughs> we shout and tales from the plantation um again i was your i was your host harry tubman i led Just you all to freedom i've been tftp underscore tunde i've been your girl nezzy n to the e to the z z y why uh, there's no white oh uh, right yeah okay yeah sorry got it um yeah i know oh, no, sorry that's my bad that's my bad and, and the episode and the episode oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I did. so yeah you can find us at instagram tells and plantation on twitter at plantation tells facebook tells and plantation uh apple Podcasts, spotify everywhere you can get good podcasts tell us and plantation at gmail.com to message us and also continue the conversation hashtag 
tales from the plantation let us know what you want us to talk about all those kind of things but yeah we're back like we never left volume 37 we're out we're out bye